0: Ephesians two nineteen to 22, Paul writing to the Ephesians says this, knowing that this is God's Word, "'Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone.'" In Him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Amen. We trust that God will bless His Word. Well, this evening, if you keep your Bibles open with me to Ephesians chapter 2, that will be really helpful for us as we will look at these verses in just a few moments. And as we start our series called Foundations, What We Believe, we're thinking about the church tonight, and I thought it would be helpful to throw up some resources on the screen. There are three books that will appear. If you want to read more about church and what church is like, here are three really helpful uh, short books that you will find really engaging and will go into much greater depth than we're able to go into tonight. So, Why bother with Church, Love Your Church, and The Church, an introduction. There are three helpful resources for us. Now, as we start to think about the church tonight, here's a quote from R.C. Sproul. It's a harsh quote. It's a quote that will hit us right on the nose. To stay away from church is to spit in God's face and despise His gift of the kingdom. What we're going to look at tonight, the subject field of the church, is serious, And this quote sets the tone for us. So here it is. You roll out of bed, and through a slim crack in your eyelid, you gaze at the alarm clock, and it reads 9 a.m. 9 a.m., you think to yourself, your heart shudders. I'm going to be late for work. And both your eyes spring into action. They're both open intensely wide. You're ready to burst into a frenzy of getting yourself ready. You have one fist clenched on the duvet, ready to fling it halfway across the room. And then just as you're about to do that, suddenly you remember it's Sunday. It's Sunday. Happy days, it's Sunday. And you think, well, sure, it'll just take an extra half an hour. And you put your head back on the pillow, and as it folds in around the pillow, you think to yourself, you reason in your mind, it's been a long week. I've worked really hard. I deserve, I really deserve an easy morning. Sure, I'll just give church a miss this week. And with the decision made, and happy with your decision, you descend back into sleep. That happens for us, doesn't it? Can't happen for Nigel or myself. We kind of have to turn up week after week, but it used to happen. It's, it's something that we're tempted with, right? And here's the problem with that. In, that. in that situation, that scenario, what happens is that instead of going to meet with the church family, gathering for worship on a Sunday, we think to ourselves, I'll only go when it's convenient to me. I'll only go when it's convenient. I'll only go whenever I feel like it. It's a nice day. Why don't we go for a walk instead? Well, the big game's on today. Sure, it's only one Sunday. We'll, we'll miss church for that. I'm tired. I'm busy. I'm not feeling great. It doesn't suit the children. I'm annoyed. Any excuse possible. And so here's my question for you What could be sweeter? What could be more spectacular? more life-changing, more counter-cultural, more powerful, more life-giving, more supernatural, more joy-filling than gathering with brothers and sisters to come before our Father's throne to gaze into His face and into our elder brother Jesus' eyes and see the most outrageous love that He has shown us and to taste the most amazing grace to spend company and time in the company of our triune God with all our rescued orphans, our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is what happens as we meet together as the church, a truly majestic experience. Now, you tell me that you'd rather have an extra hour in bed than experience that or that you'd rather watch the sports game, or that you'd rather go and do whatever the reason is, And I'll tell you that you are crazy to miss this. And so we want, what we want to understand is that as we gather into this place, people who belong here, this should be the very high point of our week, the very height of all that we have to do in the week. Our highest priority should to be here, to be in the room to come and meet with our Father, to speak to Him, to listen to Him, the one triune and living God. So, these words will appear on the screen for us, what Hebrews tells us. We're told in Hebrews chapter 10 and in verse 24, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And precisely because of this passage, because of this command, it is one of our foundational beliefs here, one of our core convictions as a church, as the elders in this church, that you need to be here, that you need to belong here, that you need to be known here. And not because it's good for our ego— or for the statistics of this church, but because the Lord has told us that this is vital. It's vital for our spiritual growth, and it's of primary importance in our discipleship. Now, the only proviso is unless you can't be here because of health reasons, physically unable to make it here. That's the only excuse. So, Two questions this evening. What what is church, first of all? What is this church that we're talking about, and why should I build my life around it? What is church? Well, back to R.C. Sproul. R.C. Sproul says this. Uh, He refers to the church as being the people who belong to the Lord, those who've been purchased by the blood of Christ. These are nice words. They sound good. People who belong to the Lord, purchased by the blood of Christ. But where does he get that from? Well, it's the entire theme, the whole motif of Scripture as it talks about God gathering the people to Himself. And so it begins at the very start of Genesis and ends in Revelation. In the Old Testament, what did it look like? Well, the church didn't exist under the title, the church, but it looked like God's people, Israel, under the Old Covenant. And then in the New Covenant, what does God do? He inaugurates the church. We thought a little bit about that this morning with Nigel. So, some helpful headings for us. Historically, we've understood the church to mean this. It's one, it's holy, it's Catholic, and it's apostolic. We read this out at ordination services. We try to describe what the church is. Well, whenever we say the church is one, what do we mean? Well, the church is united to Christ, the head of the body. So, the church militant, us here on earth, join with the church triumphant, in singing God's praise and in worship and glorifying Him. The church is holy because the people of God have been and are being cleansed by our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Catholic, Catholic in the sense that it is universal, the church is universal, it extends across the earth, every tribe, tongue, and nation, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And apostolic because it's based upon the teaching of of the apostles as found in Scripture. So, perhaps tonight as we start to scratch the surface a little bit on what the church is, you're you're hopefully seeing that it's much more significant and has greater meaning than perhaps we have realized. And in the Bible, here are some of the ways that the church is referred to. It means to be part of the church means to be part of the body of Christ, a citizen of God's kingdom, brought into the family of God, Being set apart as the people of God, being part of the elect of God, and then this wonderful image of being the bride of Christ. All different images that the Bible uses and employs to help us understand what the church is. And so, with that said, look with me then to Ephesians chapter 2. And in Ephesians chapter 2 and in verses 19 through to 22 that Nigel read for us, we're going to draw out some of the things that we see. And the first is this, to be part of the church means that we are citizens of heaven. Look at verse 19. In, in the ESV, it reads that you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens. And in the culture here that Paul's writing to and immersed in, to be a citizen really is an incredible experience. It comes with rights and privileges, but also responsibilities to Rome. So, you have rights and privileges, but also responsibilities. And to be taken out of slavery here, being taken out of this uh, strange place, this wilderness, this nothingness, out of alienation, and being brought into citizenship with its rights and responsibilities was incredible. And so, what Paul is trying to say to us and say to this church in Ephesus is that being part of the church means that we have incredible rights. We get to come before our God in prayer. That's that's one of them. But as citizens of this kingdom, we also have responsibilities. The Lord makes it clear to us in Scripture. Therefore, our citizenship should change how we live. We're a different people no longer of the world, but taken out of the world, set apart. The Greek word for church actually means those who are called out, out of, brought out of something, called out, a different people, a unique people. And so just like being a citizen of some countries carries wonderful benefits, so too the kingdom of God carries benefits that we should appeal to other people to say, come and be part of this. Have your citizenship in this kingdom. So we're a citizen. But then look at verse 19, and look at the and of verse 19. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Here we see the second thing that we are is we are part of the church. That means that we are sons and daughters of God, verse 19, members of His household. And so, to be part of the church means that we are adopted into the very family of God, united to Christ. We're in Him, and so we have a new identity as citizens, but also a new identity as sons and daughters. And so, being part of the church means being part of a family, and this is our family's house, the meeting house where our family gathers. This is our home for those who belong here. It's the room that we use to gather together, a place where we talk together, a place where we should laugh and cry together, a place where we get to sing and pray together, eat and hear God speak to us. This is our house, a place where the family of God meet. And so what is the culture of our home? our church family. That's something that we're going to think about a little bit later on in this series, but the culture should be one of love and forgiveness, of warmth and hospitality. But then again, being part of a family brings responsibilities, doesn't it? You can't claim to be part of a family if you're never there. If you miss all the family gatherings and events, you won't know what has happened. If you don't spend time talking to your family, you'll be out of the loop if you only throw your head around the door twice a year, briefly, and you throw in a, an envelope with a 20-pound note in it at Christmas, th- then what are you communicating to your family? You're communicating to your family by your actions that they are not important to you. And as a result, your family will assume two things. One, you don't care about them, and two, that you don't like them. Well, being a Christian means that you're part of a gathered church family, and being part of this family brings responsibilities. So, without attending in this place, without coming here week after week, how can you be known? And if you're not known, you cannot be encouraged. And if you're not encouraged, you will not endure. See, we gather in order to encourage, and in, through encouragement we do it so that we will endure. See how these things are connected? If you're not in the room, if you're not present, then these things start to fall down. Your presence here encourages everyone, but your absence discourages everyone. And a word for those who think online is equivalent to being in the room, it it really isn't. One commentator puts it like this, when we think of corporate worship as a family gathering, then tuning in from our living rooms Start to feel as dissatisfying as live streaming family dinner. It would be awful, wouldn't it? And so that's what it's like online. Well, we've seen that we are citizens, that we're sons and daughters. Well, we'll also see here, verses 20 through 21, that we're a building and that we are a body. We're built up in Christ Jesus, verse 20, built on the cornerstone that is Him, but we're also a body. We're in Him. And we grow in Him. There's this dynamic aspect to being part of a church. So we're built up and we're joined to Him and to each other. The Apostle Paul here weaves several motifs again together. Part of the body of Christ growing together like the vine that we hear about in John 15. The temple being destroyed and rebuilt. The living stones that Isaiah talks about. All being pulled together to teach us what? to teach us that the church isn't just like the sports club. The the church, it's not just like some other organization. The church is built on what? Not on just mutual interest. The church is built upon who? Christ himself. Christ the cornerstone. And, And the foundation that we build it upon, it says here in Ephesians, is built upon the foundation led by the apostles themselves and then filled by the Holy Spirit. And so, for each of us, we play a vital role in this construction. If you're building a wall and you decide to remove a block from the wall, well, one, it's not easy. It takes a lot of hard work to try and get that block out, which is good. That's what it should be like for us to remove somebody from us. But also, if you start to remove blocks all over the place, then the the whole construction starts to become weak, doesn't it? It'll be easy to push over. And so, presence is crucial to its strength, and so too for us. Do you realize that it is crucial for you to be present at church, here in the church family? Well, several times in our life as a church, as a congregation, we take vows, don't we? Vows to be in this place as you come into membership, Vows whenever someone is baptized, that you will see to their discipleship and encouragement, that you'll pray for them, and so we have made promises before Almighty God to be here if we're physically able. Now, one of the things that you'll hear all the time around all of Northern Ireland is, "I belong to a church, I belong to Sutton Church, I belong to Hill Street." Well, my question is, do you? Do you really? If you say that you belong somewhere, well then tell me something about that church. Tell me something that's going on in that church. Tell me something about the the younger person or the older person in that church. Tell me something about what the Lord has been teaching you through the, the public ministry of His Word. You see, so many people, what do they do? They flirt with church, but they won't commit. People like to meander in and out of church, but not come into membership. Friends, the church is a a, a structure, an organization that we're meant to be part of. It's what the Bible says that we should be part of. It should be our experience. It's going to be our experience for all eternity, right? As we join in praise with our brothers and sisters across the globe in worship of our King. And so the Lord has set the way that we should walk in, a citizen, a son or a daughter, a stone. Listen to how First Peter describes it. First Peter chapter 2 and verses 9 through 10. It might be helpful to turn there with me. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verses 9 through 10. This is a, a key passage for us. You'll recognize it as being familiar. 1 Peter chapter 2. Really helpful for us as we think about who and what the church is. 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 9 through 10. This is who we are. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession. That we may do what? That we, that we may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you'd not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so, friends, tonight, being part of this church, being part of the church, a church, is like plugging yourself into the very power source itself, plugging yourself into the triune Godhead and enjoying all of the benefits that that He has to pour upon us. So, we've scratched the surface of what the church is. Secondly, why should I build my life around the church? Why should I build my life around the church? I think this is something that's quite foreign to us. We, we don't really take this into account. Whenever we make big life decisions, what, what are the things that we uh, put into the mix as we decide where we're going to live? What are the things that come into our minds? Well, are the houses nice? Are the schools good? Are the coffee shops close? And are the leisure facilities adequate? And there are some of the things that I was thinking would come into my mind if I was going to purchase a house. But how often do we make our big life decisions based upon the church? Well, you might say to me, John, Northern Ireland is full of churches. It's easy to just find another one. And my first response would be, is it really? Is it really that easy to find another group of people where the gospel culture matches the gospel doctrine, where there will be a community of believers who will love you and pray for you, who will notice if you're not there, who will message you and say, are you okay? Can I pray for you? With a group of elders who are passionate about your spiritual well-being, is it easy? Is it easy to find another church And and why is this important? Well, the church that you attend will have the most serious ramifications on your spiritual health. We've got to believe that. Our churches are not insignificant. What we do whenever we come to church, the church that we belong to is serious, and it's serious for our spiritual health. Why? Well, because at church, at church you will grow in the likeness of Christ. You will hear the very voice of God through the preaching of the word. You'll get a foretaste of what heaven is like as you join in praise and worship. You'll find encouragement for the tough road ahead. You'll find community and family. You'll find a place that Christ calls you to serve. You'll encounter great moments of spiritual blessing, great moments of conviction, rebuke, and joy. In the church, you will find a hospital for the broken. You'll find a refuge for those who are struggling, a place of hope for the weary. Friends, that's what we want our church to be like. And we got to know this: that there's there's no other plan. It's not as if some people put their heads together a few hundred years ago and thought to themselves, the church, the church would be a good way to do Christianity. The church is Christ's plan, His only plan to see people saved and disciples made. There's no plan B. This is it. This is the church, Christ's plan. And so, we are brought in to partake in it, not to spectate it, not to be spectators of it, but to partake in it. And so, we praise and pray and hear the preaching of God's Word. We come and we are fed and nourished week after week, a big plate of food set up Sunday after Sunday as we faced here. So, you show me someone, someone who claims to be a Christian, but is in church less often than they are there, and I'll show you someone who is spiritually famished and will potentially not make it on the road of discipleship. Or, or you bring someone to me and you say and you show me someone who claims to be a Christian, but does not commit to their church family, who does not gather for worship, who flirts with church, who dabbles with church, and I'll show you someone for who Christ is but a toy, that Christ is insignificant to them. You show me someone who claims to be saved by grace to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But on a Sunday, where does their priority lie? Their priority lies at the coast or on their couch. Instead of being in the gathering of their brothers and sisters, and what will I show you? I'll show you someone who has not grasped in the slightest what it means to be part of Christ's chosen and consecrated people. But you show me a Christian who turns up week after week, morning and evening, in the room. A Christian who prays with and for their church family. A Christian who serves in their church community. A Christian who is consistent week in, week out, year in, year out, whether they feel like it or whether they don't. And I will show you someone who treasures their Savior, who loves Him, who trusts Him, who understands the deep love that He has shown them, I'll show you a Christian who walks closely with their Heavenly Father. And so, listen tonight. As we gather at Hill Street, week after week, what do we want? We want you to come to love Jesus more and more every week. We want that that the spiritual temperature in your heart goes up a neck each and every week as you see Christ as being more beautiful this week than He was last week, as you understand the richness of of what He has done for us this week more than last week. We want you to to engage with the people and the praise and the preaching, not just in a a surface-level way, but in a way that changes your heart and your life, that changes everything about you. We want you to forge deep friendships here, We want this place to be a special place for you. Why? Not because of the paint or the carpet or anything else, but because you encounter the Almighty God here. Isn't that what we pray? Lord, fill this place with your presence week after week. And so you see, the church, the church is not to be endured. How how, how many. People do we know, sit in pews up and down our country and endure church. What is that? Is church not to be enjoyed? We are not meant to come and enjoy the presence of our Heavenly Father. You see, it's not about having the best lights or the, the best speaker or, 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 or whatever else we would like to reach for. It's about the presence of the Holy Spirit working in and through His people, the church family. And so, as we gather here Sunday after Sunday, this is a supernatural experience. Nigel this morning was opening up the book of Acts for us as we start our series. Do you think in the book of Acts, as as the church exploded into life, do you think they endured church in Acts, or do you think they enjoyed church? Do you think they adored being together with their brothers and sisters? Do you think that all throughout their week that they were waiting and anticipating being in the room, hearing uh, uh, God's Word being read, praying with one another, breaking bread with each other, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, hearing about what the Savior had done in their life, hearing about new people coming to trust and believe in Christ for the first time, seeing people being baptized and the, the joy that that would bring them? And here's the problem. Here's the problem. And I I, I don't understand it. I, I don't know why people sit in church, in churches that, that they get nothing out of it week in and week out, thinking to themselves, I, I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna outsit the minister. Outsit the minister? You could be outsetting the minister for 20 or for 30 years, and you'll have got nothing. What is that? Christ calls us to come and to worship with His people and to enjoy Him, to feast on Him, to dwell in His presence. The church, that's where He manifests Himself. And then there's people who go to church, and they don't even want to meet with God. Why would you go? And then there are ministers who get up and who say all of the right words, but do so with no power no conviction, no joy. The worship is gone. So, we need to know tonight that church, church is where, and it'll come up on the screen these words for us, church is where the invisible God abides in the visible community of the true church. This is where He is. He's here tonight, moving by the power of His Holy Spirit in our hearts, how do we know this? Well, we know it because on the cross, as Jesus died, what happened? The, the curtain to the entrance of the temple's most holy place was torn into. It was torn from top to bottom. Why? To show us that the, the holy presence of God would no longer dwell in the, the temple at Jerusalem. Rather, it would dwell in the church that Christ would inaugurate. So I trust this evening that you can see that it's, it's important, this is so important for us to build our life around the church. We thought about this a, a few months ago, the old Hebrew phrase to pitch your tent near the tabernacle. There was a reason for that. They understood the importance of being near to God and near His presence. And so as we draw to a close tonight, what do we do? We come to church week after week, whether we feel like it or whether we don't. We come as a family member, and that means that there could be people in our family that are really struggling to come along, really struggling to come along because maybe someone has hurt them. What does the Bible call us? The Bible calls us sheep. And what do little lambs do? You you always get a little vicious lamb. There's always one wee bully. And what does he do? He runs around headbutting all the other wee lambs, doesn't he? He hurts them. I'm still part of the same family, still part of the one flock. Sometimes it is tough to come to church. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe, maybe there's something that's going on in your life and you're really struggling. Say to one of your church family, say, will you just sit beside me? Maybe will you hold my hand this week? Break coronavirus rules and maybe give me a hug. I just need a hug friends, turning in week after week as broken and weary people to be mended by Christ, to come to church even whenever we don't feel like it because the Holy Spirit will do what He will woo us to the gospel again, and to come to church to have our hearts recalibrated by God's Word. What a blessing the church is, right? What a blessing for us the church is. What a joy to be part of it. And as we go from here tonight, as we go out into battle, what do we not want? We don't want someone to be missing in action, sure we don't. We want to go as brothers and sisters this week and next week and every week that lies ahead until Christ comes or until he calls us home together. Not missing in action, but together, shoulder to shoulder. And so tonight, maybe you're here and you've never been part of this church family to understand what it means to be a Christian has been foreign to you, but tonight, as you sit here, you you yearn for it. You you know that there's been a, a community of people that's far deeper than anything you've ever experienced, and you get a little foretaste of it here as you've as you've entered this room, and you want it for yourself. Well, what's happening to you tonight? The Father is calling you through the power of the Holy Spirit to come and to surrender yourself, and to be a member of the church, to come into His church, to be part of His bride. And so, won't you come? Come and be part of this gathering, part of the brothers and sisters here, part of the church worldwide, universal, brought in as part of God's people. Won't you come to Him tonight? This is the church. And praise God for it. Amen. And may God bless his word to our hearts tonight.